Jesus, we do thank you that you are God with us in our world, in our lives, every single moment of the day. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. You're always with us. You are true to your word. Whilst people leave us, you never leave us or forsake us, no matter what situation we go through. We just thank you for that. The security of knowing that we're never alone, that you are faithful. And as your word says, there is one that sticks closer than a brother. You are that one, Jesus. We praise your name for it. And all God's people said, amen. Come on, why don't you give Jesus another shout of praise this morning, and then you can take your seats. Well, we're in the closing moments of the service today. It's been a wonderful, wonderful service where we've sung carols, where we've directed our praise and our thanks to God. And I really do believe that God's presence is in this place, looking after us, overshadowing us, caring for us. And over these recent last weeks, it's been a joy for us to look from the Bible, God's Word, at those beginning moments where Christ Jesus was born, those beginning moments where Christ came into our world. And whilst the Bible records the historical events around that birth narrative of Jesus when he came into our world, it's not just a collection of facts. It's not just a historical account. There's a message, a present message that comes from this birth narrative, from these beginning moments of when Christ came into our world for every single one of us today that we can take into this Christmas. And over this week and next week, I want to give you four thoughts, four points that come out of this beginning moment where Christ came into our world. We may just look at one today, but four amazing thoughts, four amazing points that come from this birth narrative of when Christ came into our world to encourage us, to strengthen our hearts for where we are and what we face but also so that we might have confidence and security as we go forward into our future. The Bible gives us that. It really does. It's not an uncertain hope for the believer. It's not an uncertain future for those who have decided to make Jesus their Savior and Lord. There's certainty that we have and confidence that we can hold to as we face the future. There really is. Four simple points I'm going to give you that we're going to look at today, maybe one or two at at the most, and we're going to look then on into next week as we cover them. Four simple points. Let me give you to them that we see coming from these first moments when Christ came into our world. The first one that we see is that God displays his favor in the most unfavorable of places. What a beautiful picture. What a beautiful statement that is. In those first moments, the darkest moments 
of time when Christ came into the world, it didn't stop God. It didn't hinder God. God still displayed his favor, his goodness, his love in the most unfavorable of places. Secondly, what we'll see as we again review these beginning moments of when Christ came into the world is not only that God displayed his favor in the most unfavorable of places, we'll also see that God gives direction in the midst of distress. Oh, we don't have to sink under the distressing circumstances of life. Life is hard. Yes, it is sometimes. Life is dark like a dark valley, sometimes David said. Oh, but in the midst of every distress, in the midst of every storm, in the midst of every midnight hour, there is a direction that we can trust, the direction of God. Do you know God loves you? And He wants to speak to you. He really does and give you the direction that you need. Now, He may not, you know, shout at you on a loud megaphone, but usually it'll come in the form of such a small, delicate whisper into your searching heart, and He'll direct you on through that distress. That's what we see in these beginning moments of when Christ came into our world. Distress, yes, but direction, divine direction to take them on through. And then next week as we carry on, we'll see that God encourages us to use our faith in the face of fear. Fear doesn't have to have the final say in our lives we can rise above our fears if we'll but place simple faith, childlike faith in God's Word, the Bible. You say, well, Dave, I'm not very religious. What's faith? Well, you're using it right now. Sitting on the chair, on the seat that you sat on. It was an act of faith that you made when you sat down on that seat you didn't get. The laws of physics out to see if the chair would hold you. No, you just believed it would hold you. And you placed your faith and your trust in that without even thinking. That's what faith simply is when you place it in Christ. You don't have to have head knowledge up here as to what it's all about. You just have to simply place your faith in Him and you'll, you'll overcome every fear. He'll enable you to overcome every fear that you face in life. And we'll see that in this birth narrative, in this early beginning of when Christ came into the world, how God encourages our use of faith in the face of fears, of fear. And finally, we'll see how God provides light to overcome darkness. He provides light. He is the light of the world. He really is. And whenever you pass through any dark period or season, there is always light at the end of the tunnel that can never be extinguished, that can never be overcome. No matter how dark it gets, there is light, His light, that will bring you on through and lead you to where He wants you to be. But today, let's just look at this first point of how God displays His favor 
in the most unfavorable of places. Now, I've covered this. Faye and others have covered this over recent weeks. But it's important that we look back at it again. And look at the scriptures surrounding it and how they are relevant to each and every one of our lives. The angel Gabriel, as our mayor said, came to Mary and announced glad tidings. Announced that she was highly favored by God. Let me read it to you in Luke chapter 1 verse 26 to 29, it says this, Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled by his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. From our reading, you see Mary was in Nazareth when the angel Gabriel visited her with that wonderful news that she was highly favored. She was chosen by God, singled out to carry the Savior of the world in her womb. Nazareth, we've said over recent weeks, was a city that had an awful reputation. Everyone said of Nazareth, nothing good can come out of that place. Imagine living in a place like that. Imagine growing up in a city that had that reputation of nothing good ever coming out of it. That statement hung over the community. That statement of nothing good coming out of that environment shaped their minds. It molded them as a people. And Mary was living right in the middle of that city, Nazareth. It was a byword to many. Nobody would visit anyone in Nazareth. They would just pass on by. Because of all of the negative connotations that were surrounding living in that city. Nothing good can come out of Nazareth. Nothing good there. If you grow up there, if you're part of that community, there's no hope for you. There's no future. It's just a dead end place. Those were all of the connotations that were attached to that community. And God, God visits a young virgin right there in the middle of a city that has nothing good going for it. What does that tell you about God? He's not impressed by the externals of our world. He looks deeper beyond the surface right into the heart. And he saw in the heart of that young virgin a love and a devotion and a humility that he needed that he was pleased with. God is not impressed very often by what we are impressed with. All the gold and all the glitter, nothing wrong with it. But God doesn't get his high or his buzz from any of the material things that we place as a priority. God looks at the heart right deep inside of us. That's what pleases him. 
and he makes his estimation and he sees just this pure heart within this young virgin woman and he says, I'm going to go there. I'm going to visit her and right in the midst of a place that had nothing good going for it, he speaks to a young virgin woman and the angel Gabriel says, highly favored by God. Mary, when she heard that, she was troubled by those words. Why? Well, she'd grown up in such a negative environment. You're no good. Nothing good's going to come from your life. There's, no, there's not going to be any real great outcome. You've, you've, you've been born here. You live here. And you're probably going to die here. You're not going to amount to anything. Why? Because nothing good comes out of this place. And the angel walks in with news and words that she had never really entertained in her mind, highly favored by God. And right there, right there, he begins to change the way that she thinks. What is God doing? He's displaying his favor in the most unfavorable of places. And he still does this today. This isn't just something that we look back on into those moments where Gabriel visited Mary. No, God does this all of the time. And I'm going to show you from the scriptures how he does this. God loves to display his favor in places that are unfavorable and overlooked, forgotten and considered as foolish to this world. Listen to the Apostle Paul as he pictures lives just like Nazareth, taken up by God, chosen and cared for by Him. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26 to 31, Paul is talking about the Nazareths of life, our lives. Listen to his words, he says, Remember, dear brothers and sisters, that few of you, we're wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose the things of the world considered foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise. And he chose things that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all. And used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no one can ever boast in the presence of God. God has united you with Christ Jesus. For our benefit, God made him to be wisdom itself. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy and he freed us from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say... If you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. Paul, right here, many years after, this birth narrative, this early beginning of Jesus, takes up this thought and he uses our lives just like that Nazareth moment where Gabriel visited Mary. And he says, we weren't wise. We, we, in fact, we were foolish. We were the base material of this world discarded thrown out by others and God prizes it 
God comes to the unfavorable areas of our lives and he displays his favor and what happens is transformation. And our boast is never about what we've done in our lives. It's all pointed and centered on the work of Jesus and his grace. Hallelujah. It really is. God visited this young woman in the most unfavorable of places, the most negative of places, and bestowed his grace upon her. Next, what we see, after she's visited by the angel and after grace and favor has been bestowed upon her, we see how God brings direction to Joseph in the midst of terrible distress. God gives direction in the midst of distress. Joseph receives news that the young woman that he's engaged to, espoused to, marry, he finds out that she's pregnant. And the distress and the turmoil that must have gone on in this man's heart. Of course, Mary assured him that she'd not been with another man. Mary assured him that she'd been visited by an angel. That the power of the Holy Spirit was going to overshadow her. And he that was going to be born through her would be sinless. It would be an absolute miracle. Never done before. Never to be repeated. And yet Joseph is struggling in his mind as any man would to believe and to understand and to put it all together. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 1 verse 18 to 25. And you begin to see the distress that Joseph was in. The decisions that he was going to make as a result of that distress, but how God came in at the twelfth hour and brought direction in the midst of all of the distress that this man was going through. It says this, now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit." And she will bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son. And they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from his sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him his wife and did not know her till she had brought forth her firstborn son. 
and he called his name Jesus. Distressing time for Joseph. Having to face the decisions and having to face the facts that the bride that he would espouse to was pregnant. Carrying the Christ child. And again, all of their plans fall to the floor as God's plan supersedes everything that they had thought of about their future and about their lives. Distress. He was going to put her away because he wanted to be righteous and, and, and obedient to the law. But now the Lord of the law was giving him direction. The Lord that superseded the law was bringing fresh word and revelation to him. And as that word came into that distressing moment of his life, new direction came and was given. Do you know the message for each and every one of us today in this room is amidst the distresses of life. God will bring direction. Do you need a word to overcome that fear that racks your mind? Do you need a word from God that can set you free from that depressive spirit that comes seasonally and your life it goes from, from, from good to bad? Do you need a word from God today to overcome your distress? I tell you now, if you will but patiently wait... A word will come. God will speak to you from his word. Bring you comfort. Bring you freedom. Do you know, I, I asked the Lord once. I said, you know, having a little conversation with Jesus. I said, Lord, what does it mean to wait on you? You see, sometimes you've got to wait. Sometimes you've got to be patient. Sometimes you can't wave the magic wand of the Bible and have an instantaneous answer. No, you've got to go through the process. I said, Lord, what does it mean to wait? And very simply, he said, wait and see. Wait and see. And you know, sometimes I've gone through fears in my mind. I've gone through, through all kinds of emotions in my life, just like you have. And I've asked the question, oh God, please come now. Help me. Relieve me of this heavy heart. Relieve the fears of my mind. Help me to, to just concentrate and focus on, on the good things about life. Help me to, to, to just straighten out my thinking. And I've wanted the, the, the Bible to be some kind of magic wand that I wave and all my troubles will go away. Or like a genie in a bottle that you rub and then suddenly you get three wishes. But sometimes you've got to wait and see how God's going to work it out. And Joseph was in that period of waiting. And in the midst of that waiting, there was distress but God did not allow the distresses of life and this situation to defeat him. He brought direction to him in the dream. And he was able to go forward with Mary as his wife and complete the plan and the purpose that they never imagined they would be involved in. Sometimes distresses in life cause us to make all kinds of decisions and you may be at a point today where you're making 
some decisions that could really alter the course of your life, just slow down. The word to you is slow down. Don't make those decisions so hastily. Don't be so erratic. Just wait patiently and direction, direction will, it will come. Let me read to you as we close before I pray. The assurance that comes from God's word as he looks after us and has, as he leads us through all of the distressing times of life and the difficulties that we face. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. That's what David said about the word of God. This still small voice that comes in to our world and gives us wisdom to live. David said, it's a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. Why did he call it a lamp? Why did he call it a light? Because it was very dark. And sometimes life is very dark and you need not just the good advice of people because it just won't cut it. You need not just your own past experience because it's, it doesn't match up to it. You need the word of the Lord bringing light unto your feet and a lamp unto your path. That's our assurance today that God will speak to us. And finally, let me give you this. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to verse 6 says this. In the midst of all of the distresses of life, in the midst of all of the difficulties and uncertainties of your world, the Bible directs us in this way. Proverbs 3, verse 5 to 6. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart and lean not on your own understanding in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths trust therefore in the lord what was happening to joseph when he got news of mary's conception when he saw signs of a baby growing in her body that wasn't his own Joseph was leaning on his own understanding, which we would. He was leaning on his own understanding and coming to conclusions that were outside of the plan of God for his life, but because he trusted in the Lord. The Lord came with word through an angel in a dream and directed his path, you see, directed his path on through that distress so that he could fulfill God's plan and purpose for his life. I wonder today, I wonder today, do you need the favor of God in the unfavorable place that you're in? Maybe it's just real circumstances that are pressing you, that seem against you. You think this is Christmas, this is the season to be merry, but I feel so heavy hearted. Yeah, God knows. God knows He loves you so much. Like we've heard this morning, He loves us 
love that will never fail us, never leave us, will always be there for us. You need God's favor. God's favor is Jesus. God's favor is His Son, Jesus. And He wants to be Emmanuel to you, God with us. But not only God with us, God in us. Christ in you, the Bible says, the hope of glory. Do you know you can open your life to Christ today through just one simple prayer, one simple request, asking Him, invitation, asking Him to come into your heart. And suddenly you'll find Him there. You'll find the Prince of Peace in your heart. You'll find the one that gives you this love that's so unconditional. This favor in the unfavorable places of your life, the blessing of God, Christ the Son, in you. Or it could be distress today, a distressing circumstance, a distressing issue in your life that you cannot shake free. Oh, God will give you direction. He takes no pleasure in confusion. He takes no pleasure in us wandering around in the dark. He wants to bring direction and peace and security into our lives. I'm going to pray right now a very simple prayer. And maybe for the first time, you're going to pray a prayer with me to ask Jesus into your heart. This is a moment, this is an opportunity. Please don't miss it. You say, Dave, I'm not a religious person. Neither am I. Dave, I'm not a good person. Neither am I. And neither is anybody else in this room. We are just simply dependent and hopelessly in love with our Savior and Lord, Jesus Christ. And you know what? He loves us all. We're going to pray a prayer. Maybe today for the first time. Please take this seriously. This is not a game. This is, this is your life we're talking about. And God loves it very much. That's why he gave Jesus his son. Not only to be born in a manger, but to die on a cross. And then on the third day to rise from the dead forevermore. And to be living and real within all who call him Savior and Lord. I'm going to pray right now. Maybe for the first time you're going to pray this prayer with me. Just quietly in your heart. Quietly whisper this. You're speaking to God. You're crying out to Him. And I'm just helping you. Just say this. Jesus, I ask you today to come into my heart. I pray for your blessing and your favor your salvation in the unfavorable place of my life, my heart. I pray that you'd make it brand new. You'd set me free from my sin. You would forgive me. And all of your promises would come alive to me as I read them. I ask this in Jesus' name. For your glory. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to pray for those who are distressed this morning. You need direction in your life. You're going to make an impulsive decision. You're going to make choices that 
are going to lead you down a wrong path. And God is speaking to you this morning and he's saying, just wait, wait up, wait up. Don't make that decision. Don't make that choice. I'm going to bring direction and word into that distress and lead you on through. He's going to lead you in paths that he's made for you. Father, I pray for everyone this morning that would be in distress, circumstances, life itself, bearing down on them, pressuring them to make decisions that are out of character with their life, that's not in keeping with the direction and the blessing that you have for them. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that as we wait on you, we will renew our strength. That's what the Bible says. Wait on the Lord. You shall renew your strength. You will run and not grow weary. You will walk and not grow faint. You will rise up with wings as of eagles. And Lord, I pray that direction would come to each that would need it in this distressing moment of life. I pray that your word would cut through, that it would be a lamp unto their feet, a light unto their path. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? We're going to sing before we go. Why don't we give Jesus a massive shout? Come on. We should never get tired of praising him, of applauding him. God bless you as you go this week. God bless.